0: started the afternoon off with a Dizzy Gillespie composition called Con Alma, found on Daphnis Prado's new album entitled Transparency. And now I have a surprise for you. My guests this afternoon are Daphnis Prado and Eric Oberstein. Daphne's won the 2018 Grammy Award for Best Latin Jazz Album for his album, Back to the Sunset, which Eric co-produced. They beat out actually two of my other favorite artists, Bobby Sanabria and Ilio Villafranca, for the top spot, among others. But now they're following up their success with their latest effort, Transparency, with Daphne's leading his sextet and Eric co-producing once again. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having us. So Daphne, you're saving your success from the previous project and you start looking around for your next project. How did you decide on the Sextet and the material that you chose?
1: And tell us a bit about your thought process behind the project. Yeah, the Sextet is a, it's an ongoing project. The first record was done in 2008 and the second one was done in 2015. And this would be the, the third one. So it's an ongoing project that I really... Enjoyed uh, uh, writing and arranging and conceiving the music for this specific uh, instrumentation. Transparency came about uh, so many different meanings uh, behind the the subject of transparency, and uh, one of them is just the 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 fact of you know uh, going back or getting in or going deep into uh, the the thinking or the spiritual journey of being as much transparent as possible with life itself and sincere with uh, your own life and with the life around people that you love. And I think uh, the world would be a much better place if we practice more of that. Then, you know, I try to, um, to relate that and, and, uh, and reflect that in the music. Through the arrangements, through the contents of the music, and obviously through the playing, which I believe the musicians did an amazing job in the in this album as well, for the interpretation of the music and their own take on it. Why stick with Eric as the co-producer? Oh, I I I, I found myself that that I would not have another way at this at this or any other moment. This is unbelievable because we actually kind of feel like we know each other for so long at the same time in terms of of knowing who we are and how we work and what we want. And uh these things are very important when you're creating a, a real uh, truthful and professional relationship and and I think that's what happens with me and Eric. We will be embarking in many other futures hopefully. I mean, that's my uh what, what I hope uh Embarking in much other uh you know interesting and and uh, joyful journeys that we will have in the future too so what's
0: it like working with daphne's Eric i mean uh, what do you bring to the table and wh- i mean how collaborative is it
2: oh man it's uh first off it's a joy uh you know daphne's uh we know him as as an artist publicly as a drummer, as a composer, just the immense talent and, and vision and voice that he has. But then as a collaborator, is just, you know, he's a, he's a sweetheart. He's a very transparent person. And I think the reason why the two of us gelled so quickly when we started working together about four and a half years ago now um, was just that personality-wise, we complimented one another and we were very specific about what we were uh, out to achieve together, and and I think that we we complement each other very well. I have a background as a musician, but you know he's doing the heavy lifting on on the composition side and you know the arranging and all the artistic stuff to get the the band together and the music ready. Um, but I also deeply empathize with that process and understand what he's what he's doing, and then I'm sort of running behind the scenes, getting all the structural and logistical things and ready and. Uh, ready for the projects so but it's been really wonderful and it's a a great friendship that we've we've built over the years so when
0: this stuff is coming together, are you telling Daphne that uh, hey, you know, I'm just not liking this composition, or I'm not liking this arrangement, or I mean, are you give are you allowed, or is it that kind of collaboration where you you know you can throw stuff into it and and he accepts it or he doesn't? I mean, it sounds like you guys have a good relationship,
2: so it wouldn't be a problem. But is that part of the deal? I think we have in- incredible trust in one another and. I know that he's going to bring wonderful music and material to the table always. And, you know, there are moments when he'll ask me for my opinion or I'll I'll tell him what I really like. You know, there was a moment very early on with the big band project, I think maybe in our first conversation where I told him, you know, I really hear one of your sextet pieces being perfect for a big band arrangement. And uh, he indulged me and he went on to arrange that piece, The Sooner the Better, uh, for the big band. And that was one of my favorite pieces. And, you know, there there are specific moments where I might offer uh, that feedback. I would say that artistically, I am more present in the recording sessions and the mixing sessions where I'm just using my ear, you know, to make sure that we're, we're capturing the sound that we're after, that we're getting the best performances out of the band. You know when i'm behind the glass with the engineer in the booth i can be that extra set of years for him and uh, certainly when we're mixing with the engineer we're, that's a hugely collaborative process so we're we're offering opinions together there
0: mm-hmm. so it must be really hard to manage a big band situation over a sextet i mean can you give us a little insight behind that daphnis you first
1: yeah i mean you know the the uh the whole process is uh, is much more uh, complex because, you know, every person, it adds a level of complexity. And we're talking about 17 persons on stage. And besides all the logistics that's, that we have to put together, traveling and the whole thing. But, you know, the arranging of it is much more ambitious in, in a sense of, of complexity and diversity and etc cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's different. I mean, you know, the magnitude of, of it is bigger in in the musical sense, not because of the, of the quality of the music, but the variety that they give you the templates to work with, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you, Eric, what do, what do you think about the difference between putting together a big band project and a sextet
2: project? I mean, I really think about it in the same way. It's really how do we achieve this artistic vision together and who are the personnel to achieve it? I mean, it was a very interesting process assembling the big band. Um, I think we had discussions early on about who might be the, the appropriate players for it. And and Daphnis was really writing for the specific musicians, really tailoring his writing to their sound, their personality artistically, you know, sort of the old uh, Duke Ellington story about him writing for each member of his orchestra, you know, mm-hmm. Johnny, H- Johnny Hodges and he knew about his beautiful sound. That's that sort of dynamic. I think that Daphnis was definitely writing to the personalities of each of his musicians. And with 17 musicians, he was thinking about how to balance those sounds and who was gonna provide leadership in each of the the sections, that sort of thing. We've talked a lot about the sextet feeling like a mini big band, just artistically and harmonically. So to me, maybe less musicians on the bandstand and in the studio, but it's a similar process. And he's certainly writing for those specific musicians as well.
0: We're talking to Daphne Prado, who has a new album out called Transparency, and uh, Eric Oberstein, who co produced the album. Um, Daphne's, tell us about some of the tracks here. I think everything is uh, original material, right? Except for one track.
1: That's right. Uh, yeah, everything is uh, original uh, material. Um, where do you
0: get your inspiration from uh, on these different tracks? And maybe you could pick out, since we have a limited everyone. time, one or one or two tracks that stand out for you and where you got your inspiration.
1: Well, yes, uh, to, to answer you, the, the or just to, to go and, and clear, uh, that, yes, all the, the songs are original, and as 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 he has been in all my previous albums, this is actually the first time that I. Uh, 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 record and arrange a song that is not mine in one of my records. And this is the the song Con Alma from D.C. Gillespie. And uh, I did this arrangement because I I really uh, enjoy the melody of it. I think it's a very, it's a beautiful melody. Uh, And I wanted to bring it into a ballad, into a more ballad um, templates and formats. And in, through that sound, I kind of created an arrangement that, you know, it just, uh, it just uh, creates a, a lot of fluidity uh, interconnecting with that uh, me- melody, the, the DC Lepi Melody con Alma. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the story of that. That's actually my first time that I record a song that is not mine in one of my records. And I'm really happy cool. about it because I, I really enjoy that song.
0: When you speak about dizzy. How, who else has influenced your your style and your you know your your writing? Well,
1: many, 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 many composers in 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 the composition realm. Many, including including uh, classical musicians and uh, classical. I mean European classical musicians. Because I did. I I was. I'm trained in in classical music, in European classical music. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did at school for like eight years or so. So yeah, I, I mean, dads and composers from Cuba, and, and that's where I am from. And obviously, I listen to the music uh, since my childhood, and um, and jazz music, of course, and and world music, and many many uh, many people, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's in
0: the water in Cuba that produces so many musicians? Is it does it some does it um, have something to do with the fact that Russia was a big influence on the music scene in Cuba for a while? As far as having the conservatories, you know, where they were trained—I mean, highly trained—for quite a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, even before that, I mean, I, I would not take that uh, uh, definitely for granted because I think uh, uh, having the the cultural and the so musical and um, just inspiring music, uh, musical culture in Cuba, on, by itself, without the the technique and the and the European influence that were brought, you know, after the revolution to Cuba, you know, we have being influenced by European music in the first place also since since you know five hundred years ago. I think that that Cuban music adds a lot and and classical music adds a lot. There is a, a powerful uh, musical culture in Cuba. And and when you add that to the influence that we have from, from uh, that we had, uh, especially after the revolution, that, you know, the school of European classical music and Russian musicians that, that came to actually and beat uh, teachers also at school. I had a Russian piano teacher, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Why did
0: you end up with drums i mean it's, uh, you it, know, you're, you're a major composer here who's a drummer
1: yeah i mean I don't, why i i always you know this is a very um very interesting uh, thought you bring in because I always have that people ask me that question, and I always tell that to my students themselves like you know it's very interesting how people assume that drummers are not musicians for some, for some reason.
0: <laughs> Usually, the bass player gets the most maligning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you know, never ask uh, that kind of question to a a sax player or a piano player, you know, because it's already taken for granted that because you play those instruments, you are a musician. Sure. No,
0: I don't think it's a disparaging thing. No,
1: I know, I know, but it's interesting. It's just ironic. Uh, I'm just saying that it's you, uh, personal Kevin. I know, I know you know. (laughs) <laughs> that we know, that we all know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know, it's just interesting.
0: So Eric, well, maybe you can also opine here on the, that dynamic. I mean, Cuban music is deep. I mean, I I am mm-hmm. astonished when I. I'm with Oswaldo and my, my brother-in-law who shows me so much Cuban music that I have never heard. I'm not going to hear every bit of, of Cuban music that has been created. It's just so much. It's volumes of stuff. But there was something that happened with the revolution that also was uh, like a refining maybe. is there? Do you have that kind of sense too or do you have th- some thoughts on that?
2: I mean, you know, I can only speak from my my perspective as someone who grew up in the United States, but the son of a a Cuban mother um, who brought that, you know, that love for Cuban music when my family came to the United States after the revolution, Um, you know, Cuba has such a deep well uh, of music, as Daphnis was saying, you know, just such a deep, not just a single tradition, but so many traditions. I think that what makes Cuban music special is it was sort of this collision of such a deep, Set of African influences, you know, um, inf- you know, music that that grew out of rituals, but also different types of um, cultural influences coming from Africa, you know, the the folks who were native to Cuba as well, the the Taínos, the uh, you know, the European influence as well. So, I think when you have so many influences colliding on one one island and uh, of course, each part of Cuba is distinct in terms of its traditions as well and how those those traditions develop. So I think if you combine that foundation and just that national love for music that Cubans have, they live it in their daily lives. Uh, and I suppose if you apply that that classical, Western classical influence, that conservatory training, you just have a lot of folks who are dedicated and disciplined about how they they approach it. But yeah, just... You know, Daphne certainly lived it, and uh, can can speak well to that.
0: Uh, Daphne, I just saw your name on a new album. I just came across my desk, and you were drumming on it. It wasn't your project,
1: though. Yeah, yeah. The latest that I that, that it has been uh, released, that I been part of it is the John Daversa uh, Quintet. Yes. How did that come about? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful record, and uh, and uh, he did a great job. And the the musicianship in that album is is really uh, special, very nice, and uh, we all had a great time. Yeah,
0: I was listening album. to it and I said, who's drumming? And then and there's your name. I said, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me just a little bit more about it.
1: Well, this is a, a project of, of John Daversa that he put together with um, It's kind of a, a bolero kind of a album. Uh, Gonzalo Rubalcaba on piano and uh, Carlo De Rosa on bass and Sammy Figueroa on percussion and myself on drums. Oh, a bunch of lightweights. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was fun. It was great. It, it was very. It was very relaxed. We we had a great time, and I think the record came out beautifully.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It sounded real good. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming, Daphne, and, and Eric. I really appreciate you giving me a few minutes. What would you pick from the new album to go out with here? What do you want to hear on the radio?
1: I think I think we should go with "Amanecer Contigo," which might be a a track. Which is a this is a song that I dedicated to my wife which originally is a, is a real song with lyrics, uh, but this time it's arrangement for the sextet. It's a love song with rhythm, so it has a beautiful uh, melodies but it still has a, a very, uh, you know, uplifting rhythm. So I hope you enjoy it. This is Amanecer Contigo.